Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Scott David Chase. This is My Truth. Tell me yours. On this episode, I spoke to Laura Hodgson. Uh, Laura is uh, a textile artist, a musician and dancer. Um, this was a really cool conversation. Laura is someone that I work with in my day job, and we've often had little conversations at work about creativity and creating and inspiration and so on and so forth. But this was actually the first time we'd gotten the chance to sit down outside of work and have a talk. And, uh, you know, it was an on-purpose conversation about process and, you know, our journeys in life. And it was uh, it was a really uh, enjoyable conversation. I liked it a lot and um, got some insight to Laura as a person and as a artist. And, yeah, hope you really enjoy this chat I had with Laura Hodgson. so weird. I have this big carton of almond milk. <laughs> if someone else wants the almond milk, they have to ask you for it. You're, you're the keeper yeah, of the almond right. milk uh-huh. right now. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, so my qualifier was I had to, you know, do a painting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of them were, I was happy with about maybe 15 out of 48. Yeah. But, and it, I realized some of them, I was just like, all right, I just got to get this done and move on to the next state. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that I did, which was fun but I didn't realize it was such gonna be such a time consumer is so I did like a like a Kickstarter for the trip to fund it and one of the things that but I did like rewards and one of the things that I did was for I think it was a hundred bucks you I would send you a hand-drawn postcard from each state which I did and it was but it was very simple line drawings but even that just because I had I think 11 people mm-hmm. who paid for that and uh just sitting doing the line drawings and then I I was smart in that I pre-addressed a lot of the postcards I mean I just bought blank cards and put people's addresses on them Mm -hmm. but even that sitting there took like 20-25 minutes to do it so anytime I stopped it was usually like a minimum of of an hour to an hour and a half that I was stopped so Mm -hmm. yeah it was uh, it was fun but it was exhausting it sounds exhausting yeah Mm -hmm. I put uh almost 10,000 miles on the car in wow. a month and a week. So, you know. It's pretty cool, though. It was cool. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I just did this road trip two weeks ago where... Um, yeah, that's right. I just did four states, but I did, you know, I did 4,000 miles. And, and even that you said was exhausting. Yeah, but I'm also... I'm getting older, so I... Yeah, ha- right. I have to keep reminding myself I'm not 26 anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I still, I don't know. I still like doing weird, like, adventure things and whatnot. And I, I just get, like, these weird ideas in my head. And then I'm like, all right, I, I've got to do this. I think it's fun. It just probably keeps you really young. Maybe. That might mm-hmm. be it. Or, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. walking around with Frankenstein and Chewbacca action figures in my in my pocket, something like that. Yeah, you're like, know. i got to go bring these guys somewhere. Right. Well, that was the, so that was the, on that road trip, I had a much bigger, like a, 18 inch tall stormtrooper that I brought with me everywhere and I photographed him everywhere and it was fun and a lot of people would like 
you know, would like follow me on Instagram, would see it. But then when they'd see it in person, they didn't realize how big it was. They thought it was like the size of one of the ones in my pocket. Yeah. I just started when Disney took over the Star Wars stuff and they started mm-hmm. releasing movies every year. Every time there was a new one coming out, I'd do like a countdown and I'd do like a different thing. So each time there's a new Star Wars movie, I'd pick a different one. So that's why I've had Chewbacca in my pocket for a while. Yeah, nice. So that's my. Are you excited for the new movie? Yes. I've also like, so I'm old enough that I was a kid when the first ones were in the theater. What? Yeah. Well, you're old enough that you were a kid when the first movie came out. Well. The one in the 70s. Yeah. Well, there's so only one of them came out in the 70s. The first Star Wars came out in 1977, and then The Empire Strikes Back was 1980, and then Return of the Jedi was 1983. I did did not see, well, I did see Star Wars in the theater. I don't remember that. But the first, ooh, that's exciting. You're done steeping. Clear. Yeah, Laura's drinking. What is it, Earl Grey? Yeah. Oh, are we, are we recording right now? Oh yeah, we're, we've been recording for three minutes and oh. fifty-five seconds. I have no idea. Oh yeah. Okay. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the it's the fun, the nitty gritty. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but The Empire Strikes Back was the first movie I remember seeing in the movie theater, and me and my cousin were so excited. We're running up and down the aisles, and <laughs> my uncle had to take us out into the lobby because we were a little too rambunctious at one point. Yeah. But so. Those were such a cornerstone of my childhood. And then when the prequels came out in the 90s, oh, God. yeah, I hated those. Yeah, I think a lot of people do. <laughs> um, but it's funny because I have, like, now I'm in the distance from it because I have friends who are now in their 20s. Yeah. To them, those were the first Star Wars movies yeah, right, they saw, and they right. love them. Yeah. So. That's what I was going to say, too, is, like, I saw the, the first three, the ones that came out mm-hmm. in, like, 77, 80, and whatever, whatever, what was the other one? 83. Uh, 83. Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So I saw those when I was about nine or ten. Yeah. They were on TV, and my mom was like being the frugal person she was. She's like, "I'm going to record these, sure, so they can watch them all the time." Right. And uh, it was like right during like summer vacation. I watched them every day, all day long. Right. I like racked up the electricity bill. She was so pissed. Um, but yeah, I was in love with those movies. Right. So yes, so, so for me, when those prequel ones came out in the nineties, yeah. I was like. This is awful. Yeah, like, this is not Star Wars. This is not Star Wars. So with the new ones, I've tried very much tried to approach it like because I have a lot of friends who are very much into the, like all the lore and read all the books. Yeah. And everything, and like, what do you think is going to happen with this? And I was just like, I I'm not going to try and figure it out. I just go in and watch them because that's what I did when I was a kid. Yeah. We weren't trying to solve it. We we're just like kind of let the movie watch over you. So yeah, I've enjoyed them more. Um, do I think they're, I mean, to me, they don't hold up to the originals, but nothing is going to because that was such a time and place for my childhood that, like, I was like, no matter what, because I, I have a buddy I go to the movies with a lot, and the first couple that were coming out of the new ones, he's like, this could be even better than Empire Strikes Back, and I was just like, well, no matter what, it's not going to be to us because that's such a part of our childhood that it's more than a movie. It's just... So we don't have the objectivity to look at it that way. I was like, you know. Well, I think, too, with the way technology changed, yeah. like, um, George Lucas and his film crew did not have shortcuts to create a lot of those scenes. Sure. They had to make them Absolutely. look like they were happening in outer space, whereas now we have 
kind of this easy tool of CGI. Like, right. it's become so easy. It's in all the movies. Yeah. Um, any special effects you want, you can just computer generate it, and it's there. Right. And so I think that that is the piece that, um, in, like, the new movies, that kind of makes them almost not as good as the original. Sure. there was just so much hand in those first movies. Absolutely. Well, yeah. and it's, it, you know, and I've heard enough oh, people talking about how... Your your eyes know when something is not quote unquote real when it's a digital thing like it doesn't have it doesn't have the same weight to it and it has like it doesn't have the it doesn't have the imperfections that a tangible thing does where like yeah. even though they're little models that they're shot in space like I absolutely like there was no question in my mind when I was a kid when I was watching you know the X Men fighters flying around the Death Star mm-hmm. that this was a space battle that I was seeing I didn't think for a second these are a bunch of models that yeah, a bunch of guys in Burbank, California made and we're mm-hmm. shooting at you know however many frames per second like, you think you're actually in outer space right. running it that's what right. I thought too yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so that, it just blows your mind and it's funny because like with the prequels there's yeah because in the first movie there's maybe 12 ships flying and we're in the prequel there's 800 yeah and they're like because they're like oh bigger is better but you're just right. like it looks like a video game uh-huh. and it doesn't there's no there's no weight. There's no depth to it. It's just, I don't know. It, yeah, it doesn't feel real at yeah. all. So I think one of the best things I saw was some behind the scenes. When I was a kid around the same time, so 10 years old, uh, there was like a behind the scenes of how they were making those battle scenes in Star Wars. Right. And I just love seeing that they built those sets that the X-Wing fighters were like flying through. Right, yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah. Like it was just amazing. And it amazes me more than... Like, I don't really have a wow factor or anything when I see them doing CGI. Right. Because everybody does it. Right. If they were still there building those sets by hand, like, spending all that time, that might be really impressive. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Well, one of the things that I do like about the Disney movies uh, is that a lot of the stuff in it, they did build for them as opposed Mm -hmm. to, and that was, like... I guess J.J. Abrams, when he took over... Yeah, thank you so much. Oh, here's your time. Did the first one was, if I'm going to do it, I want to build a real Millennium Falcon. Because they'd never actually built, for the first ones, there was never a real full-size Millennium Falcon. Yeah. It was pieces, pieces for shots and then mm-hmm. miniatures. But they, So they built a real full-size one that people could walk in and shoot in. And Which I remember when... I read that however many years ago. It was like six years ago when they first started. I was like, cool, I'm in. They built a Millennium Falcon. Yeah, right, right. Because I was like, so there's a Millennium Falcon out there in the world somewhere. Like, I could conceivably hang out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh So, yeah. But you didn't think we were going to talk about Star Wars. I know, I didn't. But, you know. Um, But, I mean, so talking about, (laughs) this is my terrible segue, uh, talking about tangible things, you're someone who creates tangible art mm-hmm. a lot so t- tell me a little bit about the art that you you My make tangible art yeah. uh so yes i i would primarily identify myself as a, a textile artist or a, okay. a fiber artist um so i went to school for yeah. for fiber art and um so yeah, I have a BFA degree in that which a lot of people are like uh wow that's different <laughs> um and so yeah, I I experiment with um, just wool and yeah. and um, 
and it's like all all sorts of things. It's very like all encompassing, and that, and that's what I was kind of telling you about the other day. Was like um, I had for for a while just been doing tapestry weaving, right? And it kind of became my thing, and it was like what I was becoming known for, like on Instagram and the right. community of weavers, and and. Um, it was just like I was like I have to just focus on this and continue to get better and like make a name for myself right. and like do 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 <laughs> create so much work um, and at the same time I would get these pulls like I wanted to knit because right. I love that knitting is so functional. Sure. Um, it can be it can be beautiful, but it, it's also functional. Um, and I, I gift it a lot, so there's an element of giving, and, right. whereas a tapestry even can just take me forever to do. Sure. And it's such a labor of love of that, that like by the end of it, like I don't even want to part with it. <laughs> it works so hard. Poured over it so much. Poured over it, put so many hours into it, um, also mistakes. And it's not like painting where you can just kind of go over it. Right. You have to take it all out. So mm-hmm. if you spent three hours trying to do something and it didn't work out, you have to take that three hours out. Right. And it's funny because you can take it out faster than you put it in. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we get these poles like I just wanted to knit or I want to. The, another thing I'm just learning how to do is spin. So spin my own yarn mm-hmm. um, and doing that on a drop spindle, which is portable. It's just like a little spindle right? Um, rather than having like a big spinning wheel. Right. Um, so, you know, feeling those sorts of tugs of like, oh, I, I want to be doing this. And, right. Um, and then feeling guilty for not putting all that energy into, into um, tapestry weaving. And so this past, like, kind of late winter early spring yeah. I started to kind of address some like health issues that weren't like serious but they were nagging yeah. and um, I had to I ended up having to change my diet and kind of my whole routine and mm-hmm. I ended up just not having really any time for weaving mm-hmm. and I also just didn't want to Yeah. Um, like I just kind of felt a little sick of it which yeah. I almost feel bad saying but I think it was more my thinking about it. Yeah. And my thinking was just producing and doing and and having all these pieces and posting on Instagram and creating that Instagram-worthy photo. Right. Um, and getting all the likes and the comments and new followers and, and always comparing myself to to other weavers who had more. Sure. Um, and, like, how do I get to that level? Right. And it just felt really... Something about it felt super disingenuous. Mm. And so I think that the whole, like, having to slow down and focus on, like, just cooking food that I could tolerate, you know, now on this new medical, whatever you want to call it, medical diet, um, was, like, kind of the right slowdown because it allowed me to not really have time to actually make anything, but Mm. instead to think about stuff. Sure. And um, so, yeah, I had no ideas for anything I wanted to make. Um, And I felt guilty and also slightly resentful toward the craft um and then like pretty recently well I was talking with with somebody that I'm close to and telling them all of this and um you know I I said I wish I had something that I was passionate about like genuinely passionate about instead of just this all over the place like one day I want to knit and one day I want to weave a tapestry and I play piano one day I want to play piano or I just want to go for a walk in the woods and just look at how beautiful it is and not feel guilty like I'm not producing enough or focused right. enough and and this person said to me you don't have to have a passion you can just enjoy breathing mm. and and I was like wow 
like, yeah, like you can just enjoy being alive. Right. Right. Like you don't, like we focus so much on just um, having something to show and and kind of making a name, uh, at least I do, make a name for myself or Absolutely. whatever, especially in the art world. Yeah. You got to really like fight for it and, and put in that hard work. And sometimes I just want to sleep. Yep. <laughs> I just yep. want to take a nap. I want to read. Right. I want to write. I want to be like reflective. Um, I want to just enjoy nature. Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard when you have a full-time job too that pays the bills and, and finding that time to, to work on your craft. And um, so I started really thinking a lot about how I was trying to like pigeonhole myself mm-hmm into doing this one thing and this one thing only and um, I, I kind of just got to this place where um, you know having this this time away from doing the artwork yeah. and doing the cooking and seeing how creative that can be and then allowing myself to just read what I was interested in um to go on walks, yeah. to not do this thing that I was just pressuring myself so much to get really good at, yeah. I found that, um, so I found this passage, I, I wish, I kind of wish I brought the book, but maybe it's good I did it. so I started reading uh, this book by Thich Nhat Hanh, that Vietnamese Buddhist monk, yeah. and it's called um, Pieces Every Step. And there's a, a passage in there that talks about, um, like, creating a mindful life and how it can be a work of art. Yeah. And he basically says that when we show up in our life with mindfulness and attention, we can um, create our life into, like, a, a beautiful artwork when you do that for everything in your life. Yeah. And I was like, that's really true. You know, the way you show up for, like, the food you prepare, the relationships that you have, uh, how you, you know tidy your house Um, just whatever how you view the world can really I feel like I feel like that was the piece that I was missing Mm -hmm. was that I really wanted more of like my life to be an artwork and everything that I that I do I kind of put some of my heart into yeah um so I feel like I'm all over the place. I'm sorry, but um, that's totally. But that's so many. That's, that's how this podcast works. Yeah, there's just like so many new little things because I just kind of had this realization, you know, a few weeks ago. Yeah, and so I started thinking. I was like, I really want to change my handle on Instagram because it used to be Laura Luna Studio, which was cute and whimsical right. and really kind of fit with um, you know my my tapestry weaving and the work I was doing mm-hmm. and. Um, and in this like short amount of time of like six months you know I was like oh, it just doesn't really fit me anymore sure. like you know it, it fit me at the time it really embodied what I was doing but right. now I'm into this all encompassing sort of creating um, like, a, like just a whole beautiful life like, like everything that I do I just want to be this lovely artwork even if it's just food and it's temporary and I'm going to eat it you know that's kind of part of the whole thing sure and um, so I changed my handle to the heart of being Mm -hmm. and I really wanted the art of being because somebody else already had it right because I felt like oh this kind of goes with the whole like uh, what Thich Nhat Hanh is talking about is creating the 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 mindful life that's a piece of artwork Uh, but then the heart of being was was really nice too because it's all about 
putting that heart into into everything that I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so that realization came, and then I was like, you know what? I want to just completely like revamp my life. I yeah. have so much stuff. Um, I started looking into. Mari Kondo and how um, she's that Japanese decluttering tidying up expert who had a show on Netflix which I never saw I I don't really have I don't really have the ability to sit down and watch something I'm usually doing something with my hands sure so but I got her book and I read that and I was like yeah this is just like I want to do this yeah I have I don't even have that much stuff but I have enough that it's just like causing some chaos in my life and I Mm -hmm. think in terms of my creative thinking you know coming up with ideas yeah. and that access to my imagination so I've started doing that like just going through everything and just this like purging and tidying and I and I feel like here's another piece of that like creating this um, beautiful artwork of, of life yeah. and the other thing too is just the whole like doing versus being um I think it's easy to get caught in the in the trap of Instagram or any other social media where you see all the things that people are creating every day and you're like, I can't keep up because I have a full-time job or I have kids or I have this or that. You know, I have somebody I'm caring for. Like, not everybody has that ability to just... Um, be able to be in their studio or home and just create all day. Right. And you have to kind of work with what you have. Mm-hmm. And I think I feel like, for, for me, the idea of just creating a life that's like a beautiful artwork, Yeah. Um, it, it feels more doable for me. Um, it also feels more satisfying because I don't have to wait until I'm at home, you know, in my little studio nook to make art right like I can just do it right now yeah you're in the process all day long all day long yeah yeah so I feel like my work went from the tangible to the ethereal ethereal right <laughs> but but it's all it's all connected Word. you know and I think it's going to really inform what I create next because I've, I've already started to now get ideas yeah. and kind of so because fiber art is so tactile mm-hmm. you almost get um, like you crave it in your fingers, like you want to touch it. Yeah. So I've sort of been starting to get that feeling of like, oh, I want those the weaving bobbins in my hands, and yeah. I want the yarn in my hands, and I want to be playing with the colors again. Um, so you get that urge, and I, I get it too with the piano. Like mm-hmm. my fingers want to move a certain way. It's a really strange, um, um, like tactile craving. Sure. Which kind of sounds really weird, but um, <laughs> no, I totally understand. Nothing feels quite like having a pencil in my hand uh, and it's right. funny because like I I've been painting acrylic a lot in the past month but like I like my favorite favorite to do but also what I think I'm best at is actually just doing pencil drawings and then I will like color them in with watercolor but I'm not I don't really consider myself a watercolor painter because my technique is completely self-taught and it's more like at the service of enhancing a drawing rather than the watercolor itself being the mm-hmm. thing. Do you know what I mean? Which, yeah. which yeah. I'm totally fine with. It's mm-hmm. just sort of, but yeah, I, you know, I've, I've explained to a couple friends who are also creators. I'm just like, what I'm drawing is, is when I feel like I'm most doing not just what I'm good at, but like what, like, makes my like soothes my soul the best it's almost like for me it's like 
if you had all these like pieces scattered all over the place when you're doing your craft it's like they're all in alignment yeah yeah or they're all together and they all fit together yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's sort of like I I don't know because I always look at creativity be it you know art photography music film dance whatever is whoever is creating it and then presenting it to whatever audience is it's their way of saying this is how I see the world like Mm -hmm. um, whether or not they necessarily realize it in those terms I really kind of feel like any piece of art is the world through the prism of the person that's presenting it to the artist and uh, you know I talk to a lot of people but I feel like I get the uh, I'm able to present like my my version of the world best like through through art like it's, I'm like oh, okay this is where I'm most understood clearest I guess yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like that because I like I've told you I just started doing ballet yeah which I haven't done since I was seven yeah. so it was a long time ago and it is really interesting you're right it, it's like as you were talking about that I was trying to imagine or remember times where I'm watching like um, a ballet performance on stage and just how uh, graceful and how like present and just in their glory the dancer seems and now as I've been doing it I know how much hard work it is sure it is really hard really really hard it's one of the most challenging things both physically and mentally I've ever had to do and um, but I I can totally see that, that they are just, they've kind of mastered the technique and now they're just channeling like the emotion, like how they're experiencing the music or the story of the music or the story of the whole performance that they're in. And, and it's really amazing. And it's kind of fun to be doing dance because I'm, I'm able to appreciate what a dancer is doing Mm -hmm. and also kind of understand a little bit more about how they're communicating their experience of life you yeah. know, through their art form and yeah. it's it's pretty cool yeah yeah so it's not only just something enjoyable for me but I feel like it's helping me understand another art form that I really don't have a lot of experience right. in right. so and and I mean playing music is is wonderful and it definitely ties in um to dance yeah um, but this is like a whole nother piece of it yeah yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool it's been it's it's been interesting talking to you about it for because you've been doing it what like a month now a little bit longer just a month maybe. yeah mm-hmm. but I remember talking to you about it when I think it was you were about to go for the first time and you mm-hmm. were talking about you know your uh, trepidation is not the right word but you, you you know you were a little bit nervous and anxious about it but were excited about it because it was something that you weren't you knew you weren't necessarily great at you hadn't done it in years and you're like and it was outside of what you had been doing which um was exciting for me to like hear hear more about it from you um Mm -hmm. because you're so you know having seen you know just through your instagram um you know tapestry stuff that you've done i was just like wow this is this is an amazing artist that I know, you mm-hmm. know, that I get to talk to on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And so many artists that I know excel at one thing and they just kind of, that's what they do for mm-hmm. 10, 15 years. And, but I get really excited when people challenge themselves outside of 
what they're good at because it's very easy when you become good at something to keep doing that you know and you're always refining but also like it's safe in some ways if people know what you do and especially if you're making some money doing it to 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 keep doing that sort of kind of challenge yourself and make yourself uncomfortable trying something new I, I don't know like I feel like that's how we as creative people eventually have like huge breakthroughs and like mm-hmm. just not only grow as artists but like grow as people as well yeah. so I, yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's been it's been exciting just just for the you know because because we we've known each other a little over a year you know mm-hmm. uh, but um and most of the time we you know i, I mean we, we talk at work and it's usually just like little yeah snapshots mm-hmm. here and there but just in the last couple months i've noticed and it it sounds like it might be coinciding with a lot of the changes that you you've been making mm-hmm. like just your demeanor talking about your creative process has like opened up quite a bit too so it's been like it, it's it's definitely something because we don't know each other super well but I, yeah. I feel like there's like a certain mutual respect especially both being creators uh, mm-hmm. but just seeing like through our conversations like uh, you're just kind of opening up to that like you can see the changes you've been making in your life outwardly just that's really that. cool yeah. that's really good to hear because yeah. Uh, yeah I think you know maybe last fall I was starting to get kind of frustrated with yeah. just this one craft that I was doing and feeling pretty limited by my own pigeonholing of myself. It's not like the craft pigeonholed me because with weaving there's just like endless options to explore. Even within tapestry I see people doing so many cool things Um, and it's not just with the medium itself it's with like the concepts and ideas so it wasn't just that that was limiting me it was just my mindset about how I was living as a creative person. So it's really cool to hear that you have noticed that there was a change Absolutely. Um, yeah, because yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel more open to, you know, exploring other things. And um, and it feels really freeing. You know, at yeah. the same time, it feels like, oh, what's... Now I don't really have a niche. You know, right. I actually, uh, in an Instagram post, just was like, kind of almost like came out as like a multi-passionate person. Sure. Like, or a, a multi-passionate creative person. Yeah. And um, yeah, and it makes me wonder how many others are out there I, I kind of have kept my eyes out you yeah. know where um, you know some artists I follow I see that they also play an instrument or they also enjoy doing this this other kind of thing yeah. and um, there's a way that they bring it all together and so I'm kind of excited to see if I can explore that too if there's a way for me to um, kind of have uh, maybe music and then the movement and, and, the, and then the kind of color and and tactileness of my work kind of come together you know that might be really interesting Um, but for now it's definitely in this like exploratory kind of stage yeah Yeah, which is yeah very exciting yeah for sure and definitely not something that you know I ever feel I'm gonna be like oh well this is it done you know I figured it out (laughs) sure sure (laughs) always like you said just always learning and experiencing and and kind of having these breakthroughs yeah yeah well I would imagine like you know if you continue with the dance and you know start excelling at that and that becomes something that eventually you know 
you have a degree of you know success and mastery of, mm-hmm. there'll probably be something else that comes along that you're like, I want to try this now and see how this goes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, I've always, for the past like few years, I've really been wanting to get a harp because mm-hmm. um, harp music is written, I think, in the same key as piano music. Okay. Um, and I used to play guitar mm-hmm. um, and I don't play guitar anymore and I don't know if I will just because I don't want to get the calluses on my fingertips because mm-hmm. that would I get really bad ones on my fingertips sure. for some reason uh, maybe I don't your, play your... It, it, it does affect the playing piano okay I think with at the level of the music that I play mm-hmm. um, it'd be one thing if I was just kind of tinkering around and making up my own stuff but you know I actually play some classical so sure yeah I think that it's I, I've never asked any pian- pianists what they think about that but I think it probably is important to consider mm. but I don't think you get those calluses with the harp right because they're pretty soft strings yeah. and you're kind of plucking rather than just like pressing into a fretboard sure. yeah <laughs> so I'm trying to think because I actually know two harpists oh do you They've also been playing since they were children, so yeah. I don't think they, I don't think either of them play any other instruments. So I don't even mm-hmm. know if that's even like something that they've tried or not. Yeah, and, and I, and I don't even know if I would want to take lessons. I, you know, I think I just I found like this really simple harp. It's in the regular shape, but it's like it sits kind of upright, but it's yeah. kind of in your lap a little bit. And sure. it leans against your shoulder. So it's very approachable as like a beginner. It's not like you're getting this big pedal harp right. <laughs> that's yeah. like, you know, taller than you. And, yeah, it's yeah. a pretty unwieldy instrument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is something that's like transportable and just, yeah. I think it would be so much fun to just tinker around with sure. and just enjoy the sound. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, it feels nice to not be limited. And I, and I used to really think, too, like, oh, I'm too old. You know, I'm too old to do this. Like, ballet. Right. Like, um, you know, that voice in my head is like, you're never going to be on point. First of all, I don't want to be on point. I feel like that would just destroy my feet. <laughs> and uh, But, yeah, that voice in your head says, like, you're too old to change or you're too old to try this. You're too old to be taking lessons. Like, that's for kids. Right. You know, you're, you're too old to learn a new instrument. And I love hearing stories about somebody who retires and takes up the cello or something and it's like that's their passion like I just think it's like what you're saying like having breakthroughs as you're expanding your mind as an artist it's like we are always kind of we're almost always at the helm of having that breakthrough and finding something else to enjoy and and I think that having that openness is what a life is kind of all about like Absolutely. you don't want to stay limited in yes. just this one thing like this has to be it this is the only thing I can do right. having that ability to find something new to be passionate about yeah. is um, that just makes life enjoyable yeah. you know you're, you're, it's like you're always at that brink of finding that thing mm-hmm. you know yeah. yeah how exciting is that I don't know that's very exciting <laughs> um, well it's funny like I actually even like because you know when you started with the ballet you were talking about like being excited about not knowing everything yeah and I had I mean it's very different with a job but like when I started where we work now I was like I was nervous but I was also like excited about 
doing something that I wasn't familiar with, that I wasn't going to be good at right off the bat. Like, Mm -hmm. I was excited to learn because, you know, I had done jewelry and watch repair. Uh, I had been at that job for five years at that point, but I had also done it for five years, you know, 15 years ago. So Mm -hmm. I was pretty skilled at that. And I had I had worked for Best Buy doing very specific, uh, you know, cable, running cable for them for a while. So those were things that I knew pretty well. So I was like, this is something that's so foreign to me. And it was yeah. just, like, exciting to mm-hmm. be, like, the new person, like, just soaking up knowledge and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, it's funny because I've been thinking about that for my creative side. Uh, and actually, like, talking to you kind of stoke those fires a little bit more too I'm just like I feel like I want to try something new as well I don't know I don't know what it is whether it's because I I was taking uh, guitar lessons a couple years ago and then when I went on my road trip Mm -hmm. they stopped because I was gone for a while and then just I've basically in the in the you know two years that I've been back kind of been living a, a little bit Uncertain, like as far as like where I lived for the first you know year that I was back was very transient, and I've been where I've been now for a year. But you know, we were talking about my living situation beforehand, and like I, I, I never felt like I could fully settle. Yeah. So I've kind of put a lot of like trying new stuff on hold because I'm like, well, I might have to move in you know 30 days notice or whatnot. Where I was like, all right, well. I'm pretty much settled at this point. I mean, living situation notwithstanding, like I'm like I, I'm pretty much here for for a while, so mm-hmm. I can't use that as an excuse anymore. I need to, you know, I've had that yearning to to, to try something new, so yeah. I'm gonna figure out what that is. Yeah, so. and I think that 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 yearning and like, but not knowing. I think that you discover what it is by just not putting any pressure on yourself to have to figure it out. Right. Like, I think I got some creative satisfaction from, like, cooking my food and starting to feel better and um, and feeling like, um, you know, I could put a lot of, like, intention into the food I was making and how I presented it. Sure. And that felt really healing, um, not just, like, physically, but also, like, you know, the, the mental creative side. And... Um, and I think that I just had no pressure on myself to do anything else because I couldn't do anything else. I had no time. Um, and so I could just be really thoughtful. And I think that that's when I kind of had all these ideas um, and uh, about what creativity means to me and about how how I create and what I and what I want to create and how I want to spend my time. You know, um, and realizing that that I want to focus on being multi passionate instead of just this one thing. Sure. Um, and I give myself permission to explore and and yeah I think that guitar is a very portable instrument yeah it's not a piano yeah that's one of the hard the hardest things that I have about um playing the piano and being a pianist is that I have this huge instrument right no matter where I move even if I'm in a shared living situation the piano is coming with me right uh, and and as it should you know I spent a lot of money on it and I, I've been playing since I was 11 years old so I put a lot of years into right. it and I enjoy it because yeah. I I don't do it um, to perform or make money sure I, I do it because I enjoy it I, I, the sound just brings me pleasure I even like playing scales and arpeggios like just yeah. the, the technical practice right. you know that that's, has nothing to do with it 
or it, I should say that has nothing to do with a piece of music because it does. Um, it's it's a foundation of being able to play some more complicated pieces, but it's not you're not working on the actual piece at that moment. You're just sure. doing this repetitive like over and over and over again. I used to drive my stepdad crazy. He used to hate it when I played um, scales and arpeggios, but um, why? Just because it's repetitive. It's repetitive. It's the same thing. And then just over and over and over again. So um, my piano is digital, um, and it's it's um, a really nice one, which is awesome. So um, I don't feel like I'm compromised really on sound. I, I am a little bit. Someday I'm going to have a real acoustic one, but um, I can plug headphones into it. Sure. Um, so that way, when I'm doing that sort of thing, nobody is just like, "Oh my God, right. I'm wearing the blue choker." <laughs> she keeps playing the D scale over and over and over again. Um, so yeah, I don't know what we were talking about before then, but that's yeah. okay. That's yeah. sort of like that's I don't know. That's what I've always enjoyed about this this thing that yeah. I do because I you know I I know a lot of creative people and mm-hmm. I just tend to have conversations about creativity and the process and it just kind of goes wherever it goes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. Just letting it go wherever it goes. But I think we're talking about you wanting to try that new thing yeah. not knowing what that new thing is yet it's I mean I've got a couple like plans and plays it's fun because I'll for my own creativity I'll set goals for myself mm. and then and I'm pretty good at sticking with them when I set a goal um, I don't necessarily I used to be I would tell people hey I'm gonna do this thing and then I'd get frustrated when I would fall short and I'd be like and they're like oh, I thought you said you were gonna do this yeah I was gonna but so now, and I have a, a another creative friend who, through their conver- conversations with them, they're like, you know, it's it's a lot more satisfying to tell people, hey, I just did this, and then show them what they did rather than say, I'm going to do this, and then they're like, and also, you know, not that I'm doing it for other people, but it's it's been interesting. Uh, so a lot of times, I'll I'll come up with an idea in my head, execute it, and then they're like, so this is what I did this month, but. Um, so in August, like I, I did a painting every day, uh, mm-hmm. which I've done that a couple times before. But it was I had gotten away from doing art a lot. I was working so much, and I was yeah. like, I need to get back to it. And then September, I think I maybe did ten paintings in the month, which to some people is like that's that's crazy. That's a lot. But, yeah, you're you know, pretty prolific. I I can crank stuff out pretty quickly, and which. It's so weird because for me, the end result, like, I care far less about that than actually, like, putting in the work for myself Mm -hmm. because I've seen so much improvement in my technique over the last few years because I put in a lot of work and I feel like... I don't know, I look at it the same way as, like, I think, I'm sure, like, an athlete would look at, like, exercising and working out all the time, whereas if you stop long enough... you've got to regain a lot of ground and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I can even look at that myself in tangible terms of, you know, I hurt my knee at work a week ago. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't able to walk for five days. I mean, I could physically walk, but you know, cause I've been going on a lot of, you couldn't go on your long walks, long walks and just seeing, uh, just stepping on the scale, just seeing just the difference in a couple days. And I was just like, I can't wait to get back to this, to get like back on track to what I was doing. But, um, but with the art, I also very similar to what you're saying about like living, like just breathing and 
living my life because like I, I went on my road trip a couple weeks ago and that was a big thing that like I had made the decision this year I was like alright I, I, I need to do this again about every two years I end up doing one of these trips and part of it's just getting out not spending much time on social media because uh, I have to remind myself to appreciate the day to day like beautiful things in the world because a lot of times I'll see something that's great or excites me and I'm like my first instinct is I gotta take a photo of this I've gotta post this to like validate it and I'm like no it's you don't have to I mean it's fine if I want to share it but there are certain things in life that I'm like well I'm not gonna be able to get across the power that this has to me personally through a photograph and like maybe I shouldn't try to you know there are some things that can be just for me or just in this moment there's no way to preserve it you know it's like a meal it's a beautiful thing that's been crafted and it's presented gorgeously but you know it's it's consumed and it's gone but but you enjoyed it yeah it was just for you I enjoyed the whole experience of making it yeah. and putting it together and then tasting it. Yeah. You know, it's a whole experience. Yeah. Um, I even really enjoy setting the table, you yeah. know, putting down the placemats and, and what, you know, even though I live with somebody and it's her home and it's all her dishes, you know, sure. even just using those and like how I present it. Yeah. Um, but like you're saying about, you know, kind of taking the photo of the thing and wanting to post on Instagram, but it just doesn't feel right. Sure. That happened just the other morning. Um, it was so foggy and I got up and, and I remember just looking out the window in the bathroom as I'm getting ready and I'm like oh my gosh it's so beautiful outside yeah. and I want to take a photo but like the screen in the window is in the way and like I went outside and I tried to take a photo and just couldn't capture it and I was like it doesn't want to be photographed right like this is something for me right and um I love foggy mornings in the fall like my favorite thing right um and yeah it was just there for me to enjoy it just enjoy the colors and the feeling like some people find fog to be very like creepy in the fall I think it's so oh my gosh me too it's so peaceful and soothing and um and very ethereal and um um, so yeah, I just, I think that's a wonderful thing. You can have gratitude for like, this is just a moment for me. Yeah. It doesn't have to go on Instagram. Even sometimes like I'll take a photo of something that's really beautiful. Oftentimes it's, it's a nature. That's really where I get so much of my inspiration and kind of like clears my head if I'm stuck with something. Um, um, so it kind of, it, it helps me to get my, uh, get back in that creative group again you yeah. know especially if the piece has been challenging but um I'll take a photo of you know something on a hike and it's like I don't have words for it like mm-hmm. and it just doesn't feel right to just post it with nothing so sometimes I save it yeah and I'll wait and I'll find that there's something going on in my life that can really correlate to that photo and then I can share it and it's so for me Instagram is not always instant it's very often later gram eventual gram (laughs) eventual gram or maybe never gram like (laughs) maybe it's just not meant to be shared Um, even some things that I work on you know part of my creative process I'm like this is this is just for me Um, you know I've kind of thought in my head maybe I'll share some of my before and after photos of kind of like clearing up the space and maybe not 
because it's pretty personal and um, we get to decide you know what we want to share my my life is certainly not going to be uh, just an open book on social media for everybody to read right um, and having a little bit of that privacy I think is pretty important yeah. I think it's I, think I would I imagine just because it's happened to me and it's easy to get lost in that whole Instagram yeah trying to just post stuff um, post what people want to see almost you start thinking that way like oh what do they want to see what do they what would people like really hit the like button you mm-hmm. know if I say right. this thing right. and um, you know the hashtags that can help you to promote yourself right and, um it can just be too much. Sure. It takes away from just the process, yeah. which is the most enjoyable part. Sure. And I think Instagram's great if you have a business and you know you're 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 using it as a tool to help your business grow. But for me, I don't have a business, and and I don't know if I'll have a business like that. I'm just me, you know, yeah. And, yeah. and and it's my creative journey, and so I don't even know what it's going to look like. Sure. So yeah, yeah. It's funny because I got like as someone who I post a lot of stuff on social media, mm-hmm. but I. I've had a conversation with people that I know who, because there's certain people that I know in real life who I've had conversations with. They're like, oh, you post a lot of stuff, and you post this, you post that. Particularly like the like the they, action figure photos. They remember it all. Yeah, but they also like it drives some of my friends nuts, and I'm like, you can certainly unfollow it. But I was mm-hmm. like, they're like, you know, why do you think people want to see that? And I was like, I don't think about that at all. I was just like, it's something that I want to do, and if someone yeah. wants to follow it cool also if they don't want to follow it that's that's totally fine too i was like you know like same thing with my artwork like i i have like several things that i do a lot that i'm you know a lot of people know me for and like some people really like uh the animal portraits and Mm -hmm. like i do a lot of like human nudes too which Mm -hmm. some people don't necessarily like those but then some people are like i don't care about the animals but Right. I really like these. These resonate with me. And then I've done other stuff, too. I do a lot of pop culture stuff. People are like, like I like I that. I love that Pennywise um, painting oh, you thanks. just did. Yeah, with the black background. Yeah. And I'm not, I've told you, I'm not at all into scary movies. Right. I will probably never watch that movie. Yeah. But I thought that that was really cool. And, like, the colors just popped. I love that high contrast thanks. sort of thing. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny because I'm not a huge, like, horror movie guy at all. It mm-hmm. was actually just... When I saw that film, that particular scene where he's, just to give a little context, Mm -hmm. he's underneath the bleachers at a football game and this little girl follows a firefly down there and the firefly comes over to this corner and he catches it and then, you know, opens his hands up so he's just lit by the light of the firefly and just the lighting in the film in that one particular instance just struck me because you know his, his costume's pretty much just white and gray mm-hmm. and then he's got the white clown makeup but because of the way the light was hitting him it's bringing up blues and oranges Ooh, and stuff yeah. like that and mm-hmm. I was like I want to see if I can find a picture online of that so and I was able to find it and that's what I did the painting from but it was more like it's funny I I pretty much always watch movies with my phone sitting there and I pause movies all the time and just take reference photos and it's usually of the most arbitrary shot but it's something that I'm like oh that would make a really cool painting I want to do that and so I've done 
and a lot of times it's with just a single point of light lighting something because then it brings out weird colors and shadows that you don't normally see Mm -hmm. like one of my favorite paintings I've ever done is uh, Robert Downey Jr. was in this movie called The Soloist Uh, I feel like I've heard of that movie I don't think I watched it but it's based on a true story who knows with those based on things how much is actually true but Jamie Foxx plays a homeless man who's a you know an incredibly gifted concert cellist who's mm-hmm. had, has some issues with yes. mental illness okay and yep Robert Downey Jr. discovers him one day and like you know develops a friendship but also kind of helps him to get back on his feet but there's a scene where he's just left the hospital he's got a like a brace on his arm and he stops to smoke a cigarette and he lights it up and just that one shot I did a painting of that and people are like is that Robert Downey Jr.? I'm like yeah and they're like what's that from? and I'll explain to them they're like what's the significance in the film? and I was like it doesn't have a you know it's not a particularly significant scene it's just it's life yeah exactly I I love that and that goes along with the whole like kind of uh, creating a, a meaningful artful life right is that you're, you notice those little things that other people don't because maybe they're looking for, like, the big right. the big climax, the highlight, the, the, like, oh, wow. You're like, look at that lighting. is amazing. Right. Yeah, I love things like that. Like, I'm sure you've noticed, too, like, after a thunderstorm in the summer yeah. or whenever, like, the lighting outside can be so fascinating. And um, that's part of, like, mindfulness, too, is, mm-hmm. like, noticing how things are always changing. The lighting is always changing outside yeah absolutely and like people are looking for the sunset rather than just that sort of like subtleness and I think that's probably why I love that painting of Pennywise so much is all the colors and it might not be something I would hang up because I find him really frightening but but I can really appreciate um, you know those those colors and the high contrast and how you executed it Yeah. yeah doing Doing the because um, you did positive on negative and yeah. usually it's opposite. Right. I love that sort of artwork. Yeah. yeah, that's something I loved doing in school when I was doing like foundational studies of drawing a painting. Yeah. And we would do that fl- flipping it so you're putting the, neg- the the positive on the negative, and um, it's such a cool way to think. Yeah. It's different. It's funny because I that's the way like with painting in particular that's the way I've kind of always looked at it which which is funny because like it it's very much like comes natural to me and Mm -hmm. I don't know I feel like I get more life in my paintings when there's less whereas if I do like a full fully lit uh you know illustration like I feel like I lose some of like there's some of the magic is lost um Mm -hmm. I'll even get to the point where I've like because a lot of times I will see something and then I'll get a flash in my head of what it would look like as a painting. And then I try and get that across on canvas, which it never comes out the way I see it. But that's mm-hmm. sort of the way art works. And, yeah. you know, I, I, that used to drive me nuts. And now I'm OK with it because I'm like, this is what I'm seeing in my head. It'll be interesting to see how it looks when it comes out because right. it's pouring through the, the, the filter of me. So it's yep. like, you know, the... The and your style, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. and your limitations, yeah. or what you're working on, you know. Sure, uh, but uh, sometimes, like particularly with negative space stuff, I'm like, how dark can I make it? Like, how little detail can I put in so that it still 
understood what you're looking at, but leaving that much more to the imagination, I guess. Yeah. And I've even, like, you know, with reference photos, I'll adjust, like, darkness and tinting and be like, okay, that's a little too dark, you can't tell, or, oh, that's the right amount, or it's a little bright, let me see if I can adjust it a little bit more and then try and go from there. Yeah. So A lot of my, uh, so my, my, my tapestries that I have done pretty recently, a lot of them were dark, um, so, like, night nighttime yeah, right. kind of uh, colors. You don't ever use black yarn because black actually, um, with yarn, so yarn's already opaque, and when you make it black, it's just like a black hole. Like, it's almost too much. Mm-hmm. So you're always putting in other colors if you have a black. Yeah. Um, I just tend to use lots of dark blue. Um, also, my uh, my thesis for my degree was entirely done with indigo. Okay. Uh, so I love blue. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and it, just a lot of that, like, kind of... Uh, um, ambiguous isn't the right word but it's like um, almost like there's the dark blue background and then the things are just like floating in the forefront right like there's kind of this element of like um, spacelessness Mm -hmm. so nothing's really rooted Mm -hmm. Um, everything's just kind of floating ethereal ethereal's a big word I think people can use to describe my artwork yeah and um, yeah I I like that feeling of um, I find it very soothing that things are just kind of like they're there yeah and it's okay if you can't figure out if they're if they're rooted, right, or where they start and where they end, right. Yeah, yeah. just just that feeling is like, oh wow. Maybe other people will find that uh, completely disorienting. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, art is everyone gets something different out of it. So yeah, mm-hmm. and and the creator does too. I. I really like that I got to hear a little bit about your creative process. Yeah. Because uh, because um. It's something that we've never really talked about. Right. Is how is what what you are drawn to? Yeah. No pun intended. Right. <laughs> and, and and what you try to capture, or like yeah. what you want to capture, and what yeah. you want to emulate, and uh, kind of like what what you're working on, um, you know, expanding and, and growing. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And and did you have a formal art training? So I did one semester at UNH in the art department. Okay. And Hated it. Yeah, because what I feel like is really nice is that you're not limited by the rules right. of how you're supposed to do a painting. Right. Because right. they would always say you work background foreground. Right. Uh, but you you don't really have a definitive background. Right. Um, it's it's just whatever whatever you want it to be. And yeah, wanting your subject to really kind of be the main thing that people are looking at. Right. I, I think it's really nice. So my my school, which no longer exists sadly because all art schools are closing. Right. If they're not tied to a university. Right. Um but one of their slogans was learn the rules to break the rules. Right. So you know your artistic license. Right. Um so yeah you kinda you can learn what the technical rules are, but then you can just break them all. Right. Which is I think so freeing it's wonderful to see fine art that is adheres to all those rules it's also really refreshing to see something that doesn't and just see how enjoyable it is and I think it keeps the viewer at least for me it keeps me as a viewer humble sure I I can't speak for anybody else's experience but um, it, it can help to not get too carried away with the rules yeah of what art should be sure Instead, it just allows for it to be. Yeah, because I've certainly seen stuff that is 
technically excellent, but doesn't resonate with me at all. Yeah. I was like, there's no, there's no life, there's no spark in it. At least yeah. for me, I mean, mm-hmm. it could be something that the creator was very passionate about. But mm-hmm. I mean, because there's musicians out there that I look at that who are technically brilliant, and I'm like, but the, the, the music they create doesn't speak to me at all. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. Not yeah. art, Not all art is for everyone. But, exactly, uh, which is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a quote, I think that's by... I think it's by Beethoven, and I'm, I'm just, like, paraphrasing it, but um, basically what he was saying was, it doesn't matter if you hit wrong notes. What's more important is that you play with passion. Right. Like, to not play with passion is really playing the music incorrectly. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I listen to a lot of different professional, like, concert pianists play pieces as I'm learning them, and everybody is different in their nuances. Mm-hmm. And what could be like my flavor like like what I enjoy how I like to play so like I really like Lang Lang and how he plays somebody else might be like I can't stand the way he does the transitions right between the passages or whatever like they there's something for everybody everybody's kind of got their own flavor yeah. uh, of what they enjoy so absolutely mm-hmm. yeah and that was uh, it was funny that, that kind of translates to so many things in music like going back to where we work so you know I work nights a lot so the last two hours we're closed and yeah. uh, so listening to listening the to music, music. <laughs> yeah and so other people's music yeah it's interesting because you get to hear what other people like but um, so I was playing some music this was a couple months ago and one of the people we worked with wasn't aware that it was my music that was playing and was He's giving an opinion that he didn't really like what was playing, and he was giving, you know, it was kind of, and it wasn't not thoughtful. He was actually like, I don't like this because of blah, 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 blah. I was like, cool, right on, I can understand it. Um, and then through the conversation, it, it kind of came out like, like he realized, oh, this was my music that was playing, and he's like, I'm sorry, man, I didn't, re-. I was like, why are you sorry? He's like, ah, well, I just kind of like shit all over your music. And I was just like, well, you were just telling me your opinion about it. And I was just like, I'm sick. Like, I can still like this music just fine. Yeah. I was like, and also it gave me a little insight into what you appreciate or don't necessarily like about the music. He's like, yeah, but I was like talking trash about your music. I was like, I don't, I, it's fine. You're like, I didn't make this. Yeah. And I was, I was just like, I don't need someone else's approval for me to enjoy it which which is particularly with music when we're younger like because I know so many people who like music until a lot of people like them they're like oh, I don't like it anymore I feel this band sold out and I was just like well if they're doing something that they like you know re- regardless like first of all a band has no control over who listens to it once they've you know recorded it and put it out uh, right so I was like I don't really feel like that's selling out but also if you only like something because of your limited ex- exclusivity to it like if you like something less because more people like it then that has more to do with you than the artist right so also that's amazing that um you didn't take that personally because I would have right. I'm very vulnerable about my music right I 
I don't want to say I'm, I'm insecure, but I'm insecure. Like, like I definitely feel this. Like, I would be exposing this part of my soul to other people. And if somebody were to be like, like, oh my god, are we seriously listening to Enya? Like, I can't stand her. I'd be like, I'm really sorry. You know, like I would just feel so bad about it when I when I shouldn't. Because like you're saying, it's like that's just their opinion. Like, I can still absolutely love and adore Enya. Sure. Because I have for years and. And her music brings up memories of, like, my best friend and I living together. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I shouldn't have that, um, that desire for other people to approve of my playlist. I actually had on my iPod, which I don't even use anymore because now iPods are, like, obsolete. But I had, um, when I used to do closings all the time, I made a playlist just in case, and it was work music, and it's what I thought everybody would like from my collection of like a pretty broad range of different stuff right like like really like it really spans a whole bunch of stuff maybe the only thing i don't have is like heavy metal right and country right but i have everything else (laughs) um i couldn't really picture you listening to a whole lot of heavy metal no you know what they do like though is um like instrumental like metal which i think they call progressive metal so i was some of it and there's like i mean there's there is a whole genre of music that's come out in the last like 15 years or so that's like instrumental metal I guess which I think when you remove particularly like aggressive vocals it and a lot of them have like really long passages and like are yeah. almost like orchestral movements yes, but yeah yes. yeah that it, um, I l- I really like that stuff when I'm in the um when I'm in the mood for it yeah. um it's like really exciting yeah. without the vocals sure. like sometimes I don't want to get into the vocalist what the lyrics are like sure. it's nice to just have the instruments kind of tell yeah. something about the piece yeah um, yeah I love that sort of stuff but yeah screaming yeah. no not it's, my style it's funny too because so there's a band in that genre that I like quite a bit they're from Chicago they're called Pelican okay but three quarters of the band are also in another band called Tusk, and Tusk has a vocalist. I feel like I've heard of Tusk. And I don't like Tusk hardly at all, even though it's the same musicians making it. But something about adding an element, the -hmm. vocals, lessens it, makes it less interesting to me, which just saying that now, I'm just like, oh, it's sort of like the whole negative space thing with the paintings. It's like Mm. when you put more into it, it becomes... I don't know, less less interesting to me, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, an artist who I really enjoy um, is named Pliny, who does this progressive metal, and, mm-hmm. and their music seems to be a little more subtle than maybe some other kinds of progressive metal. Um, I, I don't know how to, how to describe it, but... Um, what are they calling it? Pliny, P-L-I-N-I. Pliny. And I think it's just one person, and they just layer uh, different, like, them playing the guitar, like, in tracks. Right. Um, which is really cool. And a lot of, like, effect pedals and things like that. So, um, and there's moments of, like, like extreme rush, and then also, like, some quiet. Yeah. Um, which I think is a pretty cool, you know, if, you, if you've got some energy and you're in that space, like, I think it's a really fascinating kind of music to listen to yeah mm-hmm. yeah nice yeah it's funny because I a lot of times when I'm painting or making art I'll listen to a lot of film scores because it's because oh. it doesn't uh, you know 
typically doesn't have vocals in it. Yeah. And I don't feel like the lyrics kind of creeping into what I'm doing. Right. But mm-hmm. film scores and like music that's intentionally made instrumental are slightly different. Where I feel like a lot of film scores are kind of filling in pieces for what you're seeing. Mm. So like separating it from the image sometimes is like being like leaving a little bit to be desired where usually like instrumental music that's just made as the music is the art itself not enhancing another piece is I don't know seems sort of fuller to me I really like that and and that kind of I do something similar mm-hmm. um, like if I'm weaving like if I'm working on a piece that's actually like conceptual not just like knitting or something that's mm-hmm. functional but something that's conceptual I don't like listening to music that is specific like mm-hmm. with lyrics that tells a story um, I would much rather prefer like listening to something more ambient um, it could be Kenya <laughs> but uh, it's like a lot of world music because um, a lot of times it is more instrumental or if there is any singing it's probably in a language, language that, I don't know sure. so it's just um, for all intents more... and purposes it is instrumental to you yeah exactly yeah yeah um, and it's more the mood of the piece um, that that I want to like channel yeah. into the finished result and it's funny because I can actually look at a couple of my um, of my pieces and remember what music I was listening to. Yeah. And, and a tapestry is often described as being like a timeline because it takes so long to do and so much happens yeah. in your life during the process of making a piece um, that within it is all of these you know events or moments or like a challenge or like a triumph or whatever that happened in your life in that piece so yeah there's that there's an Irish band um, and they do more world music they're not specifically like Irish music um, they, they tie in so many elements and they have they're a pretty big band there's a lot of pieces and uh, a lot of instruments and um, this piece that they did is called um, Buddha Waltz and I, I believe it's entirely instrumental. If there's any singing, they're usually singing in Gaelic. So again, don't know what I'm saying. Sure. But it's a very peaceful, soothing song. And so when I look at this piece hanging up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that song. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I like that the film score thing. I might yeah. actually look into that, um, seeing if I can find something. Because you're right, you, you don't want, or at least we don't want, the music kind of, um, uh, what's the word, like affecting basically sure. what the outcome is. Yeah, mm-hmm. which, is, which is funny because I almost always, when I do paintings, they're almost always named after either the title of a song or a lyric from a song, but it's not necessarily something that I'm listening to at the time, but a lot of times when I l- listen to music, you know, just just to enjoy listening to music, mm-hmm. a, a particular lyric will strike me, and then it starts to conjure, like, an image or a feeling, and then I'll end up creating from that, but more often than not, when I'm actually creating the piece, I won't listen to the music that brought that idea out originally so So the same thing so the piece I was just talking about the tapestry I did in this song Buddha Waltz I did not name the piece that but I named it Nocturne which is after the series of Nocturnes that Chopin did um, which I absolutely love none of which I can play (laughs) but I but I love them and they're kind of like in that category of my brain of like maybe someday I'll try to 
we'll learn these pieces. Right. Um, but yeah, because it encompasses the feeling of the piece. Yeah. The song, like, imp- the song influenced the feeling, but the title is what, like, what it's all about. Right. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. We both do a similar thing. Yeah. I also, one of my uh, friends back in Portland, who's an artist, um, she recommended to me, because I post on Instagram one time that I was having a very, I always have a hard time naming my pieces. I always want, for some reason, to do alliteration, which sounds really corny. You know, like, if you do alliteration all the time, where you're just, like, um, like, uh, like Majestic Mountain. You know, it sounds really corny. And I've been doing that since high school. Like, that's, and so my... Actually, I think my high school teacher, she did alliteration, and I didn't want to. So it kind of messed with how I name my pieces. And this friend of mine said that she writes a poem, even if it's, like, no matter how long or short. And then she finds, like, a line in there, or maybe a couple, and then she puts them together. And then she makes that into just one sentence. And then she kind of keeps breaking it down into fewer and fewer words. And then that's how she gets a title. Interesting. Which is kind of cool, because then it ties in, like, another element of creativity which is sure, writing yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. yeah that's definitely more of a it's definitely a more evolved process than I usually do yeah mm-hmm. everybody everybody has has their own ways. method and, yeah yeah, yeah. And, it, and, yeah. and titling yeah. pieces has just always been a challenge for me and maybe it's because it takes me so long to make it and so many things happen in my life that I just like lose track sure almost. And I would imagine too such a such a time investment for that like it, it must be more difficult to be like alright now I have to find a phrase that encompasses everything that went into that whereas me like usually a painting from typically if I have an idea for something I try and execute it within like 24 hours of that yeah. and I can usually get a painting done in a couple hours mm-hmm. at most so it's just like okay that's done this is what it's called and I've you wow. know forgot about but I've also had people who have reached out to me that saw something on social media and they're like, oh, I want to buy, I'm interested in purchasing this painting and they'll tell me the name and I was like, all right, which one is that? And then I have to go back through and I was like, oh, right. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm glad you said that because I do the same thing. Yeah. I don't have that many pieces but I can't remember any other names. Right. I, there's one, there's one I know the name of um, and I think because it's just one word. Well, that one and not Nocturne. I can remember because it's just one word but any of the others that are like more of like the blah 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 right I'm like I don't know what that is <laughs> <laughs> even the one I most recently did I don't know the name of it anymore right, right. yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's funny yeah it's it's funny because it's when I name it it's very important to me I've got to get something that captures the right thing and then like but oh like a month later you're like I don't know what it's called right but I think it's also maybe for my own process it's because the process has always been the most not only important but like the most satisfying like once it's done it it almost loses most of its meaning for me but like so maybe that's like the finishing moment of like okay I've named it I've you know it's now birthed out into the world it can have its own life it's not I don't have to be concerned with it anymore so like yeah it's important for a finite period of time and then kind of doesn't matter to me yeah yeah which is which is funny um I've had a couple people ask me about this. You know, you know, you've seen how I like post like the grocery list that people. Yes. <laughs> so that's a weird thing because like I've had some people be like, "So where did that come from?" And I was like, "Well, because initially it wasn't even something that I really cared about at all." Um, 
I found this weird list a couple of years ago when I was working in Nashua at the mall, and it was just there was a piece of paper on the floor. I was walking to go to the bathroom or something, and I saw it and was just picking it up to throw it out. And I turned it over and read it, and it was a very bizarre list. And I was like, huh, well, I, this is weird. Do you remember what was on it? Um, I don't specifically, but I photographed it, and that was like the start of this whole, like I started a Facebook album with found lists, but one of them was, was like, lip shit was one of them. Like, and then it was like pomade, but one was like nipple rings. And and yeah, but it had then t-shirts and then crossed out. And it was all like, but I was just like, what, what was going on in this person's day that this was like the list that they made, which every time, you know, and, and, and working at a grocery store more often than not, it's just food. So it like, my interest has shifted a lot with that now. Like a lot of times, like the list itself could be kind of arbitrary, but like the like stationery it's written on or the handwriting sort of mm-hmm. interests me. But it was also one of those things I started posting more and more because people kept finding them and giving them to me, and it yeah. sort of took on a life of its own. And people were like, "Oh, Scott's really into this. Let's get in on it." And it became like a group thing where I was just like, initially I didn't really care that much because after finding that first list. Has like most of the other lists that I've found are far less interesting right. than that. They're not going to compare to that one. But every once in a while, um, I'll just find one a real wackadoo one, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is why I, I do this." But um, I have a friend in Arizona who um, she works three doors down from the sex shop. So every once in a while, she'll find someone's oh list from that, and it's just like random, just weird stuff. Because at first, I was like do you just write down weird stuff and just send this to me? She's like, no, that's not my list. I found this on the sidewalk today. So I was like, okay. And it's, you know, it's 3,000 miles away. It's no way someone's like trying to like get it into my hands. Um, But I don't know. I also like the idea of a list is something that's incredibly important to someone for a finite piece of time. And then it's garbage. It means nothing to them. Mm -hmm. And like... I know it's a weird, it's a very like weird, like private snapshot that once it's achieved its purpose, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, at least to the person who created it. Yeah, it's just there so that you can get those things done. Right. And then after that, it's meaningless. Yeah. Yeah. I found, uh, there was, I found at work a couple weeks ago what was clearly, because it had Friday, Saturday, Sunday all written out, and it was clearly stuff that was being gotten for a wedding and it was Saturday that I found it so nothing from Sunday had been crossed off and I was like I really hope this person like has another copy of this or what like because I had no way it wasn't like someone left it behind and I could run out and get it to them it was I found it on the floor and you know and they were probably long gone yeah I was like I kind of hope that they found all this stuff or at least remember all the stuff they needed to do yeah but I, I don't know I was also like well if you're organizing a wedding and your only copy of it is on a piece of, you know, right. spiral-bound notebook paper. Maybe you should plan ahead. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm, I'm one of those people who, uh, like, I think uh, I would really benefit from a simple wedding. I know that there's still lots of little things even for the simplest sure. weddings. But, yeah, I'm definitely not one of those people who's going to, you know, if I do get married, it's going to have a binder. <laughs> right. What was, I mean, it was stuff like get $200 cash for DJ. Yeah. Uh, get this for caterers, blah, blah, Those blah, Those little blah. details. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So I was like, 
this might like the fact that I have this and this person doesn't might be screwing up someone's day. But I didn't take it from anyone. I was no, just like, I, and I would certainly get it to the person. If there created. was like a contact name, like if found, please return right, to. <laughs> right, exactly. But yeah, so, but yeah, no, I was just, I didn't even think about the fact that like that sort of correlates with at least my process of naming things. I'm just like, it's so important until I do it and then it doesn't matter to me at all. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, th- I guess that's a, maybe a good place to stop for now. I mean, okay. I feel like we could, I feel like we could talk more, but you know, maybe we can pick up the conversation again at another sure. point. Absolutely. I, yeah. I do appreciate you, uh, taking the time, getting up, you know, quasi early to, yes. to meet me. And, uh, <laughs> no, this was really fun. That was yeah. the first podcast, the first podcast that I've ever done. And, uh, it was a nice chance to just be able to really kind of, I almost felt like I sort of regurgitated all changes. Yeah. Just, yeah. Cause it's like so new and exciting and I don't know where it's going to go, but it's nice to just be kind of like regurgitating it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and for me, that's like, honestly, why I talk to creative people is like, for me, it, like not only do I get different ideas on how to approach how I do stuff, but it also kind of recharges my creative batteries. Like, Oh yeah. You know, just it's funny because most of the time when I talk to artists I don't we don't sit down and say how do you do this how do you do this but just kind of hearing the experiences that people go through and their process sort of like I don't know infuses and informs absolutely my own process I think creative people can definitely really influence and inspire each other if we're open to that Um, you know we're not so caught up in in whatever demands we place on ourselves in our in our uh, creative fires, you yeah, know, we're yeah. just like, just yeah, being open to exploring it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being open and yeah. chatting with me today. Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm.